The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Primal Body, Primal Mind. Your host, Nora Gedgaudis, is here to take you on a fun-filled and informational journey through the mind and your body with a focus on neurofeedback and healthy nutrition and what it can do for you, your family, and friends. Now, here's your host, Nora Gedgaudis. Well, hello there, and welcome again to Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio. Uh, I'm your host, Nora Gedgaudis, and I want to thank you all for tuning in to the show today. So our topic today is going to be chemical dependency. Now, chemical dependency and particularly alcoholism is a, it's an issue plaguing far too many uh, people today and seemingly more all the time. Can't imagine why, but to most people, alcoholism is really viewed as a, it's viewed as a disease, kind of a permanent label. In other words, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic, they say. Well, tell step Programs are fond of promoting the idea that one's powerless against alcohol and, and that there's little that can be done except face it, you know, as they say, one day at a time. Well, there's a different perspective uh, to consider here. When I come across somebody who claims to have an issue with alcohol, the problem in my mind really isn't alcohol. But what I'm thinking about, uh, the way I think about it is is somebody having extreme blood sugar dysregulation. Look at it this way. If we're seeing carbohydrates as a source of fuel, all right, to energize our metabolic fire, right, then what we're basically talking about from the perspective of that, of fuel with respect to carbohydrates is mere kindling. You can look at the supposedly good, quote, unquote, complex carbs as, as twigs, uh, you can look upon things like bread, pasta, potatoes, cereal, and white rice as sort of paper on the fire. Uh, candy desserts, that'd be pretty much sawdust on the fire. And, well, alcohol, well, alcohol is like throwing gasoline on the fire. If you happen to be a person who is dependent on sugar for your primary source of fuel, and then you also for instance, happen to be hypoglycemic or reactive hypoglycemic, then when your blood sugar gets too low, you're going to be in a state of emergency. Your body's going to be craving whatever form of fuel that's going to raise that blood sugar back up again fastest. Well, alcohol is pretty much instant. This is why when a person stops drinking, the cravings for alcohol still stick around because they really haven't dealt with the underlying problem. It's blood sugar dysregulation. You know, what do you see at AA meetings? You see people standing around eating donuts, smoking cigarettes, and drinking coffee, all of which stimulate blood sugar in no small way. The addiction's still there, and it's as real as ever. But what if you didn't have to be dependent on sugar as your primary source of fuel? 
what if there was an alternative? And if you could make use of that alternative, what effect would that have on your sugar and alcohol addiction? Well, I think the answer is going to surprise you. And that alternative I speak of is the fuel that we were actually meant to depend upon, the fuel that is able to run our metabolism and all of our organs and even our brains. And it's been doing it for about 2.6 million years up until really pretty recently. And that fuel is fat. And if you think I'm crazy, keep listening. Our guest for the first half of our show today is health writer, blogger extraordinaire, comedian, and documentary filmmaker Tom Naughton. Now, Renaissance man Tom Naughton here has worked as an editor and writer for Family Safety and Health magazine. He's a contributor to the Encyclopedia Britannica's Health and Medical Annual. He's a freelance humor writer with essays published in Newsweek and Omni. He's a touring stand-up comedian and a computer programmer. You have to remind me if I've forgotten anything. But Tom has also written and performed uh, original plays and sketch comedy shows both in Chicago and Los Angeles. Now, his documentary film, Fathead, is a must-see. It really is. It, it, and it's also a real eye-opener. Uh, you know, in it, he basically dispenses with some of the false truths that were perpetrated by, or in Morgan Spurlock's movie, Supersize Me, which you guys all may remember. And he did that by demonstrating why nearly everything the public has been told about obesity and healthy eating is what he calls pure baloney. Uh, this film is going to make you laugh out loud, and it's also going to help you to sit up and take notice. And I'm definitely an unabashed fan. Welcome, Tom. Hi, Nora. I appreciate that intro. Uh, my head just got bigger. Pardon me while I remove my hat. As if it were possible. Yeah. No. <laughs> So, well, no doubt you're still trying to figure out what you want to be when you grow up. I am. I'm only 50 now. I figure I have, you know, 20, 30 more years to figure it out. And, of course, now that I've figured out the whole uh, dietary issue, I fully expect to live, you know, 50, 60, 70 more years. We'll see. Oh, at least. Yeah, yeah. at least. So, so at last our voices meet. <laughs> That's right. We've been emailing each other for a while now. I mean, heck, we've e we even have a date set if you ever make it to Portland for uh, sharing a couple of popsicle sticks with Kerrygold Butter. But oh, yeah. I am truly honored to have you here and, and uh, tickled to boot. So, so some time ago, uh, you wrote a wonderful review about my book on your blog, for which I'm eternally grateful. And... Of course, your blog address is at the www.fathead-movie.com. And in it, you shared some rather personal revelations about your own recovery from alcoholism. And uh, I think it's safe to say you were once upon a time a dyed-in-the-wool carbivore. Is this not true? Oh, absolutely. Um, I thought that a vegetarian diet was healthier than eating meat, so I was getting the vast majority of my calories from cereals, breads, potatoes, pastas. I was not a vegan. I would occasionally have some fish, some dairy, some eggs, but not very much. Yeah. Uh, I was certainly phobic about the saturated fat, as unfortunately many people still are today. Right. So, yeah, I was a, I was a huge carbohydrate addict. And what's funny about that in retrospect was I considered myself on a healthy diet, so by gosh, I didn't eat sugar. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, good point. Excellent point. 
without realizing that bread turns to blood sugar faster than sugar does. Yes, it does. So do the great nuts that I used to eat in the morning. Potatoes are probably one of the fastest blood sugar producers you can eat. I had no idea that I was a sugar addict. Yep. Yeah, that that's <laughs> and that and I love that you're making that point because so many people say, well, you know, yeah, I, I stay away from high fructose corn syrup. I just drink juice in the morning, and and uh, you know, I, I eat I eat my whole grain cereal and I eat you know potatoes and all of that stuff because that's all natural, right? Right. You know, granola, whatever. Oh yeah, I used to love the granola, and uh, <laughs> why? Because it tasted. So yummy. Why did it taste so yummy? Because it's a big bowl of sugar. Right, exactly. So, um, and I'll, I'm guessing you probably weighed a little more in those days, too. Well, I didn't weigh more, but I was fatter. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. You know, uh, body composition was different. Uh, I've been inspired in the last uh, few years to get a little more serious about going to the gym and lifting weights. So I'm not lighter on the scale, but my body fat is lower. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. So, um, so I seem to recall you were saying too that um, you know, at least in your blog, that you know you were also drinking quite a bit in those yeah, days. Yeah, I, I, I was. Um, I had you know had a problem with alcohol probably at least since college. I was one of those people who, if I drank a beer, it would lead to another beer. That <laughs> would lead funny how that worked. And that would lead to another. Um, and some things about that in retrospect seemed not to make sense. Uh, alcohol is a depressant, so you would suspect that if you are drinking, you should be getting sleepier. What I noticed and didn't understand, frankly, until I read your book, I would be at a party, say, and have a few beers and crave another one, have another one, crave another one, have another one. And then I might say, okay, Tom, you've had enough. Slow down. Well, after a while, I would start to feel really droopy and tired. <laughs> so I'd drink another beer, and I would feel awake. And this made no sense at the time. How can this supposed depressant make me feel awake? I, of course, didn't realize at the time that being a sugar addict, as soon as I start drinking the alcohol, my body immediately switched to alcohol burning mode. And as that last beer worked its way through the system and got burnt up for fuel, I was now out of fuel. Right. And my body was screaming for fuel. Right. Yeah, you know, it's sort of like, you know, trying to heat your house with um, with lighter fluid. <laughs> Man, it would take a lot of lighter fluid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Preferably but imported, of that, you know, you know, Mass, Guinness, uh, Foster's, one of those kind of lighter fluids. Right, right, yes, exactly. So that was your poison. Absolutely. Yeah, beer guy. So, and then, of course, one day... Uh, for whatever reason, you decided uh, you were inspired by the idea of the whole Atkins thing, right? Well, it didn't start out as Atkins. I Well, let me back up and say I had quit drinking, realizing, okay, I can't handle it. No matter how many times I told myself, stop, try to back off, ease up a little bit, I couldn't. Every time I started, I would be drinking one after another after another. Um, of course, I thought it was, you know, some sort of moral or spiritual issue. Right. Uh, have to heal my inner child, whatever. Right, right. Well, we know and, you're a bad person, but that's beside the point. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so I did quit. Um, I didn't touch a drop for over three years. And later, toward the end of that time, I, I changed my diet, um, not suspecting it would have anything to do with alcohol tolerance. I changed my diet 
just because I had started to realize that a high-carbohydrate diet was not the, uh, the healthy diet it's been cracked up to be. What first kind of pushed me in that direction was reading uh, Dr. Barry Sears' book, The Zone. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Now, the zone is not really that low on the carbohydrate scale, but it's, you know, I think I was having maybe 170 grams per day thereabouts trying to keep the 40-30-30 ratio. Right, it's a step in the right direction, but yeah. Right, it was a push in the right direction. It was not low, but when you consider that I was living on grape nuts, potatoes, (laughs) homemade noodles, pasta, I probably cut my carbohydrate consumption by well over half, maybe two-thirds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And I started adding in a lot more natural fats, eggs, butter, some cheese, more meat. So I was shifting away from being a sugar burner. Right. Uh, It was later that I realized, you know, maybe this 40-30-30 ratio is not really necessary. Maybe I just need to watch the sugars and the starches really closely, so I did. Okay. And then then following that, you sort of... um you migrated toward more of an Atkins thing, right? I did, yes. Yeah, I yeah. So that would have dropped uh, that amount of carbohydrate even, uh, even more. Yeah, down to. Well, I don't want to say zero. I don't know if zero. If there is, is such a thing, yeah, but pretty much. But uh, I, I really, you know, it got to where it was pretty much no sugar, no starch, okay. and I do get some uh, carbs now, but they come from vegetables mostly. Right. Right. So when we come back, we'll we'll pick up where we left off and talk more about uh, where all this basically has led you. And uh, you're not going to want to miss it. So please stick around for more of Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio. I'm Nora Gadgaudis. See you in a minute. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. NBC science consultant Dr. Mark Steinberg says every so often you encounter a gem among the dross competing for your attention. Such is the case with Primal Body, Primal Mind, written by Nora Gedgaudis. Primal Body, Primal Mind is a non-fictional excursion into the realm of biology, politics, and self-care that you will never get from formal academic education. It's a nutritional treasure map leading to optimal wellness the way nature intended, a jewel. Tom Hartman, acclaimed author, scholar, and national radio host, says, If you want to really know how your body and brain work, read this book. Go beyond the low-carb and paleo diet to discover the ultimate key to health, a better brain, weight loss, better mood, and a longer life. Primal Body, Primal Mind will show you how you can save more money eating incredibly well than you ever believed possible. You can order the life-changing book, Primal Body, Primal Mind, today. And sign up for Nora Gedgaudis' weekly blog update at www.primalbody-primalmind.com. Want to learn more about neurofeedback? Want to find a trained clinician for yourself or for a loved one? Or maybe you are a professional looking to offer this powerful, non-invasive technique to improve results for your toughest clients. At EEG Info, we are the leading provider of neurofeedback resources, videos, and training for the next generation of neurofeedback professionals. If you want to improve symptoms of emotional and behavioral dysfunction, this non-invasive approach is the answer you've been looking for. Neurofeedback is successful in helping people of all ages achieve a feeling of greater health and well-being. Visit us at eeginfo.com today to learn more about neurofeedback or to find a local clinician who can help you or someone you love. Unlock the full potential of your brain today. Visit eeginfo.com. 
Are you looking for a new perspective in today's challenging economic and personal times? Join the journey to your personal best on the Sky's the Limit radio program featuring your hosts Karen Levitt, Jackie Lawney, and John McDermott. The engaging discussion will center on concrete ideas and actions to help improve your personal wealth, love, appreciation, power, choice, relationships, and more. Karen, Jackie, and John will guide you to your true power of choice on the Sky's the Limit, Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on 7th Wave Network. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're tuned in to Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio with host Nora Gedgaudis. Got a question for Nora about today's show? The phone lines are open now at 1-866-472-5792. Toll free, 1-866-472-5792. Now back to our show. Here's Nora. Well, welcome back to Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio. So we've got today with us the wonderful Tom Naughton, uh, who is a documentary filmmaker among about a dozen other things. And uh, he's created the wonderful documentary, Fathead, which you all should run out and see. And when we, right before we went to break, Tom was uh, telling us about his experience from being a full-blown carbivore to uh, to gradually losing the carbs, going, getting on the Atkins thing, and, uh, uh, and his uh, sort of uh, background with chemical dependency and, and alcoholism. So when we left last... last uh, we're talking about this. You you had gotten off of uh, drinking, mm-hmm. but uh, you were still on the carbs, and you were working your way off the carbs. So, how long from the time that you lost the carbs to the time you realized you were really no longer craving alcohol? Well, this goes back uh, probably more than fifteen years. I, I I can't remember the exact time span. Uh, I I do know I'd quit drinking for more than three years, and then changed the diet. And the reason I began to suspect that maybe alcoholism, at least in my case, was not all it was cracked up to be as some, you know, moral failing or spiritual uh, need or, uh, you know, spiritual failing was I, and I I know <laughs> a lot of uh, listeners may find this strange, I literally accidentally drank a beer. <laughs> Now, how does that happen, I'm sure? I don't know. Right? Yeah, you just tripped and fell, and next thing yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. The bottle went up in the air. It opened as it was in the air, spilled in my <laughs> mouth. So I was at a, a Lebanese uh, restaurant with a, a, a waiter who didn't speak English very well, uh, part of the charm of the place, of course, and I asked for a non-alcohol beer, and he did not understand me. Ah, uh, okay. He, he brought a bottle of, of a Lebanese import, uh, which I didn't look at very carefully. I was talking to friends. I poured it in my glass. I was drinking it over dinner. About the time I got to the bottom of the glass, I started feeling this pleasant little buzz. Mm-hmm. I thought, wow, that doesn't usually happen when I drink, say, an Old Duels. Mm-hmm. So I grabbed the bottle and turned it over and read the fine print, and I saw alcohol 7% by volume or something like that. Yeah. Called the waiter over and said, what kind of beer is this? And he said, it's a Lebanese beer, blah, blah, blah. And so I realized I had just drank a beer. Now, three or four years earlier, drinking that beer would have meant, wow, I sure could go for another one. Mm-hmm. It didn't have that effect. Yeah. 
I felt kind of pleasantly full from the meal, which was, by the way, a very meaty meal. Um, Didn't have any desire to to drink more. Went home, watched TV, went to bed. That never would have happened years earlier. I would have been on my way to drinking somewhere between 6 and 12 beers. Wow. (laughs) If not more. Yeah. And I thought, well, that was strange. Um, Scared me a little bit, though. I, I waited a while before I thought, hmm. Maybe I'm going to try that again and just see what happens. So later I would try a beer or two here and there, glass of wine here or there, waiting for that huge desire to just keep drinking and drinking and drinking to come along, and it didn't. Well, yeah, that's kind of amazing. So many people just don't get the connection between carb addiction and alcohol. You know, hence the mantra, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Um, I think it's pretty safe to say you're no longer an alcoholic. Hopefully no, I'm that not. statement um, doesn't get us into trouble with the 12-step police, but they don't like well, to hear that. But and and I want to. I'm not an expert on alcoholism, so I sh- I should probably say I would never encourage right an alcoholic to you know go eat a few steaks and then say now I can drink again. I right. I don't know. Some people probably really and truly can't drink. Right. Yeah, but, we don't want to send that message. I I think that's kind of an important uh, caveat to add to what to our discussion here. It's sort of making a certain point, but you know, we want to be a little, little careful about the takeaway message. <laughs> yeah, and especially for, you know, alcoholics who are struggling to remain sober, uh, I don't want to throw them a false lifeline and say, hey, go try having a few beers after you change your diet. I, You know, I don't know how that's going to work for most people. Right. However, right. I find it very hard to believe that I am the only person in the world who was able to drink normally again after giving up the carbohydrate addiction. If it happened to me, there have to be other people like that. Yeah, well, it makes the point, you know, certainly uh, that carbohydrate addiction really is at the root of of alcoholism, I think. And, um, you know, viewing it as a a disease and something that is this immutable thing that, um, that, you know, forever labels you. Um, you know, I, I think is is a is a little bit unfortunate. It, it 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 I think steers people away from dealing with um, what I truly believe is the real underlying problem. Well, and you know, I did go to AA meetings for a while, and they are exactly as you described in in your book: people sitting around eating donuts, drinking sodas, eating candy bars. Yeah going out for ice cream afterwards, uh, or pie, or both, uh, these are, to a very large degree, as I think back on it, major sugar addicts, which I, you know, obviously was at the time as well, and I was pleased that I could later have a few beers, uh, have a glass of wine with dinner without getting rip-roaring drunk afterwards. I figured just because of the sequence of events, it must have had something to do with the dietary change, but I wasn't sure exactly what it was, and I didn't think that much about it. I was just happy I wasn't a drunk anymore. Right. What really opened my eyes, I, I was reading your book for purposes of reviewing it on my blog, and I came across the chapter where you described alcoholism as a form of carbohydrate or sugar addiction, and what alcoholics are really craving is fuel, and that just brought it all together. I mean, I thought back, and I said, that is exactly what was happening to me. I was drinking and drinking and drinking because I needed to keep my fuel up. Right. 
And it wasn't a moral failing. It was giving in to the most natural urge, most primal urge we have, which is don't run out of fuel because you will die. Exactly. And I was running out of fuel because once I started drinking, at that time being a sugar addict, once I started drinking, my body started preferentially burning the alcohol for fuel, and if I would try to stop, I would run out of fuel. Well, we can't resist giving in to the urge to stay fueled. Well, we just exactly. have to switch what kind of fuel we're burning. Yeah, exactly. I've seen it, you know, again and again, uh, the elimination of, of dietary carbohydrates and the switch to fat burning instead of sugar burning it really seems to get rid of alcohol cravings. Uh, you know, the alcohol cravings will just roll off of people like water off a duck. And that's, uh, you know, I was actually have been uh, meaning to ask you because obviously back in the day uh, with eating all the starch, I would start drinking. Um, body would very quickly go into alcohol burning mode. What I've noticed now, and I get most of my energy from, from fat now, I'm curious in that if I do have a couple of beers now, I don't seem to switch into a big, heavy alcohol-burning mode. In fact, and this used to never happen to me, I will have a couple of beers and maybe pull out a third one, get about halfway through it, and I just feel stuffed. Yeah, I end up a lot of times pouring half of that third one out. So I'm curious, why doesn't my body go into alcohol-burning mode now since it's such an available fuel? Well, your body's going to try to get rid of that carbohydrate pretty quickly, um, but it's not dependent on it. You know, it, it's it's going to try to burn it off because, of course, you know, elevated you know glucose is something that um, is is something that is just not good, you know, f- you know, to have. And so, your body's going to try to get rid of rid of it as fast as it can, but it's not necessarily going to start looking for more of the same when you're done because you're just you're not dependent on that on that form of fuel anymore. And so after burning up the alcohol it can quickly switch back to fat burning mode, right. which is my natural mode now, so I'm not screaming for fuel. Right. It all makes perfect sense. Yeah, it uh, sure does. I have to tell you it's a delight to be able to go out to a nice restaurant and have a glass of wine or sit down and have two or three beers with my friends during a football game and not have three lead to ten. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really great news. I'm curious, too, what, what kind of results uh, or what kind of feedback have you gotten from all this on your blog? Uh, there were a few people who expressed uh, doubt. Um, there were more people who either had had the same experience or knew somebody else who did. Yeah. And, you know, it really got me thinking and doing a little more reading on my own. Um, it really began to, I, I started to kind of connect the dots. For instance, we all know that people for whom grains are a relatively new introduction into the diet have huge problems with obesity and yeah. diabetes. Um, Native Americans being a perfect example. Exactly, yeah. Well, they also have a screamingly high rate of alcoholism. It's true. And, you know, that really got me thinking, there are probably all kinds of people in the world who are alcoholics or think they are alcoholics, right. and they, they have a huge carbohydrate and probably especially grain intolerance if they're, uh, again, one of those people whose ancestors came from an area where nobody ate grains. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's true, and I, I imagine you could look upon maybe the Irish and their, their 
you know, basic, they, they like their potatoes and, <laughs> and all of that. And there also seem to be higher than normal rates of alcoholism in, in, in that population group as well. Well, I come from an Irish family, and I, I can tell you that is true. Yes. <laughs> wow. Well, I really can't thank you enough, uh, Tom, for being here today and really for your glowing review of my book. Um, it, it's an honor and a privilege just knowing you, and you know the fan thing certainly goes both ways. And I really hope everyone here gets a chance to see uh, Fathead and is it, has a chance to... Uh, also, go to your blog, your, uh, your recent yeah, blog that you wrote that. about the fly incident, by the way. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> with the fly incident with the president and, uh, and all of that. <laughs> that, that. That just had me on the floor. That was hysterical. But anyway, oh, no. when we come back, we're going to be talking about the powerful impact of neurofeedback on our chemical dependency recovery, and we're going to be welcoming a former client, Julie, and her mom to talk about a remarkable recovery. It's an amazing story you won't want to miss. Thank you once again, Tom Naughton, for being here today. Uh, you're great, and uh, hope to connect with you again soon. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. NBC Science consultant Dr. Mark Steinberg says every so often you encounter a gem among the dross competing for your attention. Such is the case with Primal Body, Primal Mind, written by Nora Gedgaudis. Primal Body, Primal Mind is a non-fictional excursion into the realm of biology, politics, and self-care that you will never get from formal academic education. It's a nutritional treasure map leading to optimal wellness the way nature intended, a jewel. Tom Hartman, acclaimed author, scholar, and national radio host, says, If you want to really know how your body and brain work, read this book. Go beyond the low-carb and paleo diet to discover the ultimate key to health, a better brain, weight loss, better mood, and a longer life. Primal Body, Primal Mind will show you how you can save more money eating incredibly well than you ever believed possible. You can order the life-changing book, Primal Body, Primal Mind, today. And sign up for Nora Gedgaudis' weekly blog update at www.primalbody-primalmind.com. Want to learn more about neurofeedback? Want to find a trained clinician for yourself or for a loved one? Or maybe you are a professional looking to offer this powerful, non-invasive technique to improve results for your toughest clients. At EEG Info, we are the leading provider of neurofeedback resources, videos, and training for the next generation of neurofeedback professionals. If you want to improve symptoms of emotional and behavioral dysfunction, this non-invasive approach is the answer you've been looking for. Neurofeedback is successful in helping people of all ages achieve a feeling of greater health and well-being. Visit us at eeginfo.com today to learn more about neurofeedback or to find a local clinician who can help you or someone you love. Unlock the full potential of your brain today. Visit eeginfo.com. The Interstate Sportsman Talk radio show brings two well-known outdoorsmen to the Voice American Network with hunting and fishing info news, talking about everything from new sporting gear, places to hunt and fish, and getting more from your recreation time. Join host Brock Ray and Don Kirk Friday mornings at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 Eastern, for the Interstate Sportsman on the Voice America channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
You're tuned in to Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio with host Nora Gedgaudis. Got a question for Nora about today's show? The phone lines are open now at 1-866-472-5792. Toll free, 1-866-472-5792. Now back to our show. Here's Nora. Well, welcome back to Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio. And uh, thanks again to Tom Naughton for the first uh, being the uh, wonderful guest on the first half of the show. So our topic for today is chemical dependency, and uh, we were talking about some of the dietary issues associated with, uh, with particularly alcoholism in that first half hour. And in this half hour, we're going to be talking about, in part, about the powerful impact of neurofeedback training on chemical dependency recovery. This is a whole other angle. Uh, we're also going to be talking with Julie. Uh, she's a recovered alcoholic now and uh, and also now former client of mine. Uh, Julie and her mother, uh, Barb, will be here very shortly to discuss this uh, the, her remarkable story. But to introduce this whole this whole part of the topic, um, neurofeedback can really have a, a pretty profound influence over chemical dependency recovery. Uh, years ago, there was a researcher by the name of Eugene Penniston, and he worked for the Menninger Institute, uh, and he did a series of studies doing, uh, well, a series of studies using Vietnam vets uh, who were suffering from post-traumatic stress uh, disorder issues and alcoholism, and he focused on the use of neurofeedback, uh, specifically, in his case, something called alpha-theta training, which is a deep state sort of training, uh, for for trying to help uh, these people recover. Uh, and the results were absolutely stunning. Uh, subsequent and more recent studies have really shown remarkable value in utilizing what's, what's called or what we call in this field both awake state training as well as the deep state alpha-theta type neurofeedback training for chemical dependency recovery. Now, I've seen neurofeedback help incredibly uh, many, many times. And studies that have been done on this particular subject have shown really uh, when it comes to 12-step programs, they tend to, be, tend to have about a 20% or so success rate in general if, if you're using just 12-step programs alone, which is not what you call a stellar thing. It's, it's better than no, uh, than no results but a far cry away from a reliable way of, of recovering from chemical dependency issues. But in studies that combined uh, these 12-step approaches with neurofeedback, uh, the success rate went literally all the way up to 80%. So incredibly stunning results. And in my estimation, you know, using appropriate, read appropriate, nutritional intervention uh, this could easily raise these numbers much higher. And this has been actually my own personal uh, clinical experience in working uh, with these uh, issues. Now, in the L.A. area, there is a cutting-edge inpatient facility called Cry Health. That's spelled C-R-I-H-E-L-P, which uses neurofeedback as part of its successful recovery program. It's, it's uh, there are some people doing outpatient stuff, but the real hardcore cases, um, they, they check in. And neurofeedback tends to be a part of what they do uh, with their program. Uh, it's a very successful program. And they, too, have 
participated in some impressive uh, studies and, and have provided some pretty impressive outcomes uh, to their studies. If, if you're out there and, and uh, you're more technically minded and you want to take a look at a list of research articles on this subject um, with respect to neurofeedback and chemical dependency recovery, you can go to www.eegresearch.com. So by way of introduction, Julie here, she came to my office at the beginning of January. She had MS. Um, multiple sclerosis. Uh, she was suffering, suffering from a pretty heavy state of depression for which she had been taking uh, Zoloft uh, for several years. Um, and other issues were really around uh, a lack of motivation and some poor physical balance that I think was largely associated with the, with the MS stuff. Um, she seemed to have trouble with, um, with you know, seemed pretty spacey and uh, mostly, you know, spoken sort of one and two word sentences. Uh, she was having a really hard time, and uh, she also happened to be an active, uh, raging alcoholic. Um, now, Julie's fairly petite, and, and she was drinking at least six beers a day and, and also um, smoking marijuana pretty regularly. And uh, her doctor had wanted to see her hospitalized for this to get, help her get off of alcohol for a fear of possible seizures. And, uh, you know, Julie was, was pretty uh, desperate. Um, her marriage was failing, and her husband had decided to leave with the kids, and she really needed help. And normally, I don't take on clients who are actively uh, using, actively drinking or using drugs. I, I prefer to work with people who are in a state of recovery, but I had a feeling about Julie, and uh, I really wanted to help her, and I decided to help her, and I'm awfully glad I did. Um, so Julie joins us today with her mother, Barbara, who has been a support to Julie and really a witness to all of this. So in the deepest possible appreciation, I really want to welcome you both to the show. Thanks. Hi, guys. Thanks, Nora. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, so, Julie, uh, why don't you tell us all how bad was it? <laughs> and, uh, Mom, feel free to chime in any time. Well... It was it was really bad. Um, I would wake up in the morning and start smoking pot, and then before my husband got home from work, I would start drinking beer, and then I would just drink beer until I passed out at night. And I have two young kids that I was um, basically not. Totally there for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand. But um, that, that's pretty much it. It was like that, and I hated my life. <laughs> yeah, because I wasn't working and just. Yeah, you had had some uh, bad MS attacks that prevented you from being able to work anymore, right? Right. Right, and that sort of so that sort of started the downward spiral. She had, yeah, and so I was trying to make myself feel better, and and I just needed more and more of the substances to try and make me feel better, and it just, uh, yeah, 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 from there. Yeah. So, and you were trying to say something, Mom? Barb? Yeah. Actually, she had about four or five major life changes in a matter of four or five years. Yeah. Which makes it so much easier to fall into this trap. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. I mean, I don't look upon all of this as a moral failing necessarily at all. Um, 
but basically, um, you know, we did a bunch. You know, you came to me <clears throat> for neurofeedback. That's what you, you know, what you, what you came here for. And, and, uh, and, you know, we did a bunch of that uh, to start with that, you know, before we started doing really anything with diet, because you just kind of weren't in a place where you could handle that right then. You were pretty fragile, as I remember, when you came in. And so we did a bunch of neurofeedback to start with that got you to a place of, uh, you know, seemed to get you to a place of feeling better and uh, more resilient, right? Yes, it did. gave me the motivation to quit drinking and smoking pot. Yeah, and, and looking back at my notes, too, it, it looks like, you know, depression, for instance, was pretty much a, a, a zero issue for you by about session 20, as I recall, and you're off the Zoloft, too, right? Yeah. Mm. I'm glad yeah. to be off the Zoloft. Yeah, that's a big, that's a big, uh, big relief. One day before she was, she had decided to come in to talk to you, Nora, she said to me, she says, uh, uh, Somehow I need to change my thinking. Right. She had been talking about her drinking a little bit, and she says, I just need to change my thinking. And so after a month or so of treatment with Nora, uh, she was ready to quit, and uh, it just went quickly after she started her diet. Right, right. As I seem to recall, the neurofeedback kind of got you to a place where you were able to say, okay, I'm ready to talk about diet. And you were still drinking uh, at the time. Was I? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, what we were doing, you know, we did neurofeedback, you know, in, in the beginning, you know, for, for a little while. Um, and that was helping you get to a place where you were able to say, well, you know, yeah, I, I'm feeling, you know, a little bit more comfortable in my own skin. I'm feeling less depressed. I'm feeling more motivated, and I, you know, you're feeling a little more resilient. I think, and it seemed like you came to a place where you were able to say, "Okay, let's start talking about the diet thing." But you were still drinking at at, at, at that time. Right. Yeah, because I because diet really helped a lot too. Right, right, and uh, you were. Um, obviously a big support to Julie during this time, you know, Barb. Yeah, I I was, she had called me and asked me to come up and spend a week with her husband and the kids so that she could get away and and get her thinking straight and get, get off, of the, off of the booth. And uh, so I went up there, and on my way up there, uh, I found that Ed had taken the kids out of town. Oh, boy. And so um, I just... I didn't know how to tell Julie, and she came home in about two days, and and I told her, and it was just uh, major. From from then, we had to get the attorney and all that kind of stuff, and and when we got the kids back in town, Julie got uh, weekends with uh, supervision. Right, right. And after about five months, she was awarded yeah. uh, between thirty-five and forty percent. Time, parenting time with the kids, right? With no supervision, right? Right. She is, yeah, and I, and I want to get more to that, um, uh, to that part of it because I, I, it's it's a really really cool, <laughs> it's a really really cool story. I mean, I, it gives me little goosebumps every time I hear it. Um, we're moving to a commercial break right now, and when we come back, we'll get back to this 
wonderful story. And uh, we'll, we'll be back with Julie and, and Barb in just a couple of minutes. So please stay tuned to Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio. I'm Nora Gaudis. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. NBC science consultant Dr. Mark Steinberg says every so often you encounter a gem among the dross competing for your attention. Such is the case with Primal Body, Primal Mind, written by Nora Gedgaudis. Primal Body, Primal Mind is a non-fictional excursion into the realm of biology, politics, and self-care that you will never get from formal academic education. It's a nutritional treasure map leading to optimal wellness the way nature intended. A jewel. Tom Hartman, acclaimed author, scholar, and national radio host, says, If you want to really know how your body and brain work, read this book. Go beyond the low-carb and paleo diet to discover the ultimate key to health, a better brain, weight loss, better mood, and a longer life. Primal Body, Primal Mind will show you how you can save more money eating incredibly well than you ever believed possible. You can order the life-changing book, Primal Body, Primal Mind, today. And sign up for Nora Gedgaudis' weekly blog update at www.primalbody-primalmind.com. Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Issa provides homeowners and investors eager to invest well in real estate the knowledge, resources, and tools necessary to generate significant wealth. Our focus will be the paradigm. Live where you want. Invest where it makes the most sense. Listen live to the brightest minds in real estate investment every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. That's Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Issa, where America learns to invest best. Is there truly a lesson in every situation? Can you learn from another person's experiences or are lessons learned when they only happen to you? Dave Felzer, number one national and number one international best-selling author, challenges listeners to stand tall, to be accountable no matter what the setbacks, and to recommit to enhancing their lives as well as assisting others around them. Listen to The Dave Felzer Show every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Radio Network. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're tuned in to Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio with host Nora Gedgaudis. Got a question for Nora about today's show? The phone lines are open now at 1-866-472-5792. Toll free, 1-866-472-5792. Now back to our show. Here's Nora. Well, welcome back to Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio. And we're on the subject today of chemical dependency. And with us we have a, I like to say recovered alcoholic, uh, Julie. And she's here with her mom, Barb. And we're talking about her own experience uh, recovering uh, from her issues with drinking and with uh, pot smoking, using neurofeedback, well, basically a combination of neurofeedback and also uh, diet and uh, the kind of dietary approach that we talk about here on this program. So, um, Julie, I know this is a, a, a difficult subject and we've touched upon it, um, but, you know, you were in a situation for a while where you really only got to see your kids kind of pretty much every other weekend, and, and it really had to be supervised, right? That's and you're also correct. doing regular drug testing as sort of ordered by the courts. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was pretty miserable. And apart from 
I remember one slip up early on because you just you had a lot of intense stuff going on, and I, I know you had uh, one slip up pretty early on, and that was a very short lived uh, slip up, and then you've been completely clean every ever since, right? That's correct. Yeah, and of course the courts have that have that verified. So, uh, and uh, what's come out of it is that now you've just you've pretty much got equal custody of the kids and and really no more need for supervision. That's right. Yeah, I had, um, when I had to move out of my house and away from my kids and my dog, I uh, tried smoking pot one day and it didn't make me feel any better. And then I tried a couple days later to drink beer and it didn't make me feel any better either. So it was like, huh, I'm done. Yeah, in a way, that was maybe a good thing that that happened because it kind of showed you that it that it didn't help, and also that you just didn't quite need it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, and I know that, you know, I, I that I, I think what I what I recall from this, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that neurofeedback really seemed to get you to a place where I remember one day you came in, you said, you know, I'm ready to talk about this diet stuff now. And it, you literally, um, you know, you went cold turkey, not just off of alcohol, but cold turkey off of carbs altogether, which, you know, in, in traditional approaches to alcoholism is kind of a no-no. That, that, that doesn't happen. And, and, in fact, your doctor had, was concerned that you might actually go into seizures if, if you cut off your... Um, your alcohol intake very suddenly, and so I think he wanted you hospitalized for that. And um, although you didn't really do that, um, but we we used something called L-glutamine, which you were able to, you know, and made sure that you got you know got some L-glutamine to take throughout the day, so that because the brain can actually use glutamine in lieu of glucose as a way of supplying the brain with some temporary energy while your body makes that switch over to being a fat burner instead of a sugar burner. And that really seemed to help a lot, as it, I recalled. Right? It did. Yeah. I, when I would get dizzy and stuff. Yeah. From uh, not having whatever the carbs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you were able to do some glutamine, and that just sort of seemed to uh, smooth it over. Yep. Yeah. So the very cool thing was within really... Um, pretty much a matter of, of days, uh, you came in and you said, well, you know, I'm not drinking. And what's really weird is I'm not even craving the alcohol. And what's even weirder, <laughs> remember you saying, is that I'm not craving the carbs either. <laughs> yeah. Which was, you know, you know, uh, that was caused for high-fiving right there. Yeah, yeah, I didn't have cravings for alcohol at all. Yeah which, of course, gets you into hot water when you go to your AA meetings and you're sitting there saying, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, not, I'm, not craving al- I'm not craving alcohol anymore, and, of course, they're assuming that you're in denial. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, Mom, you've been, um, of course, you know, watching. You've been a witness to this whole thing, and you've seen the kinds of changes that uh, Julie has come through uh, through this time. Um, with respect to, you know, not just, of course, the drinking, but also the, the depression she was suffering from and the motivational problems. And, you know, what's your take on all this? 
Oh, Julie has, uh, I'm going to say, come back to life. She's interacting with her family. Uh, she's carrying on good communication. Um, she's uh, handling, handling her life very well, even though it is very difficult for her. Uh, she's uh, being as present with her kids every minute that she has them. Uh, her whole life is centered around them, and uh, she's she's just um, she has you know she follows her diet very very well. She's she's one of the people I know that knows how to follow a diet. <laughs> Yeah, she's really been a model client in that respect. I mean, I've just really been impressed with your level of self-discipline and your ability to follow through and, and do what it is, you know, that we that we talk about and, and that you plan on doing. And, and I'm sure that her desire to have the kids is a piece of the motivation, but Julie has always been a strong person when it comes to, I have to do this, I will do this. Yeah. Well, the neurofeedback helped a lot, too. Well, of course, yeah. I mean, it was, it seemed evident because I, I remember what you were like when you first came in. And, and um, even while you were still drinking, I, I remember seeing you kind of coming around a little bit. And, and you know, you were, you were certainly marking that the depression seemed to be diminishing and, and motivation was kind of edging up and, and uh, you seemed more engaged and, and you know, we talked, you know, a lot more than we did at first. At first, we didn't have too many conversations. You just kind of came in and slumped into the chair and <laughs> kind of, you know, did the training. And uh, and, and that really uh, started changing pretty quickly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, she, she uh, was interacting more at home and with the kids even at that point. Yeah. Yeah, which was which was so uh, you know so great, uh, so great to see. I remember even getting a call at one point um, from your doctor. Now this was of course after you had gotten into the you know the dietary switch and you'd stopped drinking. And the other thing I noticed too, you know, the color had come back to your face, and you were came in with a spring in your step. And I'd say, "How you doing?" You'd say, "Great," <laughs> you know, instead of that. I don't know. And, you know, when, it, when you first came in, you'd kind of grumble when I asked how you were doing. Um, and your doctor actually called me, and he was just dumbfounded. He just said, I, I, "You know, I, I've got to know what you've been doing." He said, I, "I've never seen her like this. She seems she looks better than I have ever seen her." And he was trying real hard to understand what it was that um, that we'd actually been doing to get you to that place. So that was, um, and I'm not quite sure that he got it. I, you know, I did my best to explain what we'd been doing, but I think it was so far outside his his paradigm that he just sort of said, "Well, you know, I'm not sure I get it." But he said, "Whatever you're doing, keep doing it because Julie is doing great." And um, I, I, I can't be more thrilled for you that you know you've got your kids back now, and uh, you know you just seem to be doing wonderfully. And you and I stay in touch a little bit, and so, and I hope we'll continue to do that. Um, I can't thank you guys enough for coming here and for talking about this incredibly personal subject in, in, in such a candid way. And um, I think you've probably helped a lot of people. And, um, and I am very grateful to you, and I feel very privileged to, to uh, have you guys both in my life. So, Well, thank you very much. And, 
and I don't know about Julie, but I'm certainly pleased if I can help uh-huh. someone else. Yes. Well, thank you so much, you two, and be sure, everybody, to turn in to, or to tune in to Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio next week when we'll be talking about one of the most common issues impacting both kids and adults. That's ADD. So in the first half hour, we'll be discussing diet and nutritional support for ADD, and in the second half hour, we'll be welcoming Dr. Mark Steinberg, neuropsychologist, NBC science consultant, and author of the best-selling book, ADD, The 20-Hour Solution. We'll be talking about the powerful impact of neurofeedback on attention deficit problems, so you won't want to miss it. Until then, remember, if it doesn't look like food to somebody walking around 40,000 years ago with a loincloth and a spear, it's not food. I would like to thank my sponsors, the EEG Institute, offering the most trusted and respected source of information and training for neurofeedback, truly world leaders in the field. You can reach the EEG Institute at www.eeginfo.com or at 818-456-5965. I would also like to thank the Nutritional Therapy Association, the NTA, for their generous sponsorship The NTA is the best, most trustworthy and reliable source of foundational nutritional education and nutritional therapist training here in the U.S. and possibly the known universe. I just can't say enough good things about this organization. You can find the Nutritional Therapy Association at www.nutritionaltherapy.com or you can call 1-800-918-9798. That's 1-800-918-9798. Tell Marcy Nora sent you. Thanks, too, to Biotics Northwest, the source for exceptional healthcare practitioner quality supplements for every health professional. You can reach them at www.bioticsnorthwest.com or at 1-800-636-6913. Also, be sure to visit my website at wwwprimalbody primalmind.com, where you can also get my book, Primal Body, Primal Mind, Empower Your Health, Your Total Health, The Way Evolution Intended and Didn't. Thanks again for listening to Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio, hosted by Nora Gedgaudis. Come back for another great program next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. And have a great week.